Could you please pronounce your name correctly for me? <laughs> Frederick Wilberg. It's, yeah, that's the way, Swedish. Okay. And that you are the technician at the Amos Rex. Is it Amos Rex Museum or is it just Amos Rex? Like, how does it even, what's the right terminology for it? Uh, actually, it's Amos Rex. Amos is the surname of, of, of this Amos Anderson person so yes it's almost rex we don't really have a suffix for that yet perfectly fine it's just sort of a question for clarification yeah you know because like there's like the met and and like you know the guggenheim museum like there are these other terms that are put around so it's just almost rex yeah for the time being we are quite new so well you're not Oh, I mean, I guess in the grand scheme of museums, you're new, but you're not that new. It was what 2013 when it got started. Yeah, started, but this this facility is since 2018. Oh, okay, you're really new then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, okay, so just to be to get some background. So, what what is your background? Are you a, a creative person, an artist of your on your own right, or are you a technician and that's that's your career? focus my start is i have an artist background i never actually continued that i went to art school and i studied intaglio printing like this really old school copper copper plates and so forth during that time i got really interested in in audio technology well i think i had some kind of ambitions to play in a band of course i was really young then I found some creative things in technology by connecting stuff wrongly. And while I was doing that, uh, I found out that there are a lot of people who have been doing this technical ex experimenting for a long time in sound. So it's a long, long story. And, and well, it's not really complicated, but it's, it's, it has many ends why I ended up doing the things I do right now. You are welcome to tell as long a story as you would like. <laughs> okay. Sort of the fun of it is we can hear the nice long stories. Yes, that's good. There, I tried to do like art, art stuff myself, but, but I always ended up connecting cables and, and, well, doing the technical parts. And then I started to, well, this was uh, 98, I think. And... Paint us a little bit of a picture. So where are we? So where were you? How old were you? And then sort of went, where did this go on? I graduated from the art school, 97. And I think I was something 20. I moved around a lot and I did a lot of different stuff. And this was also in the beginning of the, the graphic design boom. And people started to have computers and doing desktop publishing and web pages and you name it. So, of course, I tried tried it all, doing coding and, and graphic design. So I ended up being actually, uh, I got a job as a art director in this newspaper in Helsinki. And I did that for a year or two. And, and then I started to do a lot of graphic design, but I don't think I was so good at it. So, and it wasn't so passionate thing. 
for me. So I kind of swapped around completely and started as a company. Yeah. What's it called when you when you rent a rental company? You rent out these PA's and and mixer and microphones and stuff. Oh, absolutely! I used to be a roadie. I used yeah, to tour okay, around yeah, with rock yeah. and roll bands. Totally know what you're talking about. Yeah, me yeah, too. The, I did yeah. that also. So. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've been a backliner and roadie and, and, and <laughs> stage builder and, and stuff like this. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was primarily a steel guy and uh, building the staging, and then also the lights were my primary thing. I'm a photographer, oh. so so I loved lighting and working with lighting. Nice, nice. Yeah, I've, oh, I've yeah. been I've been working with some some light guys here in Helsinki, but and I, I, I actually never done any lights myself. That's the part of the technical part that. It's not as hard as they try to make it sound like it is. Like it's, you know, pointed, put the right diffusion <laughs> yeah. and uh, the right intensity of light, and you're, you're pretty good. Mm. At least when it comes to rock and roll, I mean, it's not yeah, rock, it's yeah. science. That's true. But I tend to think that the people who, who are good at doing lights, they are the people who really want to do it, and that makes them good at it. As I really don't want to do it, I wouldn't be a good light designer. Fair enough. I'm not yeah. very good with audio, but yet I run a podcast. Yeah, so. you are good at what you do. It's the, the point is doing stuff. As long as you do, you are good at it. Indeed. So, okay. So now let's get to like the, the nature of your job currently. It's defined as, hold on, on the website, it says museum technician. Yeah. Give me a, because like I translate that a lot of, a lot of like European uh, places translate things differently than we do in America where I was raised. And uh, so like I would equate that to preparator, but I think it's a little bit different than a preparator. Well, let's make it even more complicated. As we are a bilingual country, my title in Swedish is Museemestare. They also use it in Finnish, this, this master suffix on, on these titles. So you have a exhibition master and museum master. It's like this. I don't know from where where it comes, but that's the thing. In English, it it translates to museum technician, and that makes it a little bit more all over the place, so to say, because a title museum technician could actually mean whatever, as long as you are a technician inside a museum, you are a museum technician. Yeah, but I mean, but okay, I would imagine then if you're the museum technician, you probably aren't like running Ethernet cables for the offices and things like this. Well, it might you're... happen also. Really? Yeah. Okay, because I'm, I'm thinking you're more like an exhibition technician. Yes, that's the thing I uh, I want to do. But obviously there is a lot of things to do in, in-house also. Everything is aimed towards exhibitions. So for example, if I... My responsibility is partly also this, this building and take care of the the running errands, for example. If something is broken, it needs to be fixed. And while we have Corona now and we have no audience in the museum, there's a good opportunity to get a lot of stuff done here. So we don't have to close down for these repair jobs. And there is not a single area of work that I have. I have some routines, but there's a lot of, obviously it changes with the exhibitions also. 
the main focus of work. But. Well, from what I looked at, like I looked through some of your exhibitions that you all have had, obviously not many because it's only the last two years, yeah. but they're they're very technological heavy from what I noticed. There's mm-hmm. a lot of video and installations and sort of these kinds of very tech heavy stuff. So how, yes. so like when you get involved in that, like this is what I start wondering about. So like, are you the one dictating like saying okay these are the resources we have or do curators or sponsors or funders or the artists come to you with different things like you know so how does how do you sort of work together with all these different people to like pull off the exhibition of a piece of you know highly technical artwork first of all we have the proposal so to say that we know who are coming here and they are what, what they are what their wishes are then we start to compare our resources with the wishes. And that's where I come in, come in. So I can sit down and say, yeah, this is possible to do with stuff we have in-house and with knowledge that we have in-house. But it's also equally important to say that this is not possible to do with the resources we have and with the knowledges we have. So yes, my work is partly to be a buffer before we start working to to see that yeah we need to outsource this and yeah and this part we can do and try to be realistically about this because it's, it's it tends to change a lot always every yeah. exhibition changes from you know in a uh, proposal to final result because I mean, it's not just budget, time, space. It's the sort of, I mean, also like if it gets moved to a different location, even within the museum, you have to change the acoustics of it, the dynamics of where you can hang things. Like I used to work as a rigger also. So Mm -hmm. like, you know, points where you can hang stuff are not always available. So like you've got to be flexible in many ways while you're also like trying to keep, the artistic vision true yes and also try to help as much as possible so if we have living artists for for example so or living young artists who wants to they have a vision and they want help with that so that's also i see it as a part of my job too okay wait a minute i think you may need to take a step back so you your museum takes proposals so like i if i'm an artist which i am by the way i can write a proposal to the museum and and it's possible to have an exhibition or these like curators bring in these you know uh do curators bring in proposals like how how does so how do exhibitions even sort of get built like and then what's your role in that we have an exhibition plan that uh, I'm not part of the, the, the planning or the, the, the future planning procedures, but there are so many examples. For example, we had this exhibition with young artists. They had proposals for works here. So that was the, the situation where I, ha- where I could actually help. But then as another example, there might be a completely fixed exhibition that's coming and there is no room for um, improvisations at all and then there is just it's it's to compare it to a rock band you got the rider which is the wish list yes right 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 you have to follow that partly at some points but it's so dependent on the content have you like i guess my my things are like 
like what technologies are really being utilized these days? Because a lot of the people I talk to are very traditional, including myself, you know, painting, Mm -hmm. sculpture, very simple. So like involving technology, like what technologies are really being used? Have, Have they really been like pushing the limits or are they sort of still using, you know, just like straight up video and, and you're just doing high quality video and that's all. Well, that's also dependent on how young they are. I noticed with this last exhibition when they were about 20-ish. So they tend to see that, yeah, we know we want these old CRT televisions and VCRs and <laughs> DVD players. So, so the young people want the old equipment. Yeah, the old crappy stuff that nobody wants to use anymore. And you have that stuff available? No, no, <laughs> we need to source it. Okay. But it's 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 nice because uh, that's that's the thing I really like, especially with with young artists because they they really like push the. I will never get bored at my with my job. I would imagine it's a, it's literally like you're uh, you're sort of a fireman. Like people come to you and say like, "Hey, I need to do this amazing thing. Yeah. How do I do it?" And then you just have to problem <laughs> yeah. solve it. Like, yes, okay. But that's that's really nice because obviously I don't have these solutions, but I get to experiment and I get to try out. But hey, this might be possible, and then we do it. Oh, wow, it works. Okay, yeah, that works. Yeah, yeah. And, and is and is all this technology? How is it funded? Like, so like, do the artists bring their own technologies? Do you have? I mean, you said you have some in house, and of course you rent some, but like. It, it, how is this paid for? Like, do you have, like, I guess it's like, is this something you deal with or do you just pass that to somebody, a budget person? Yes, I pass it to a budget person usually. And we have an, an setup of equipment, which is, it's quite good actually. But technology is, uh, is a strange animal because some things, it's, uh, you could have some things in your storage. But for example, projectors, televisions, and stuff like this, it's not really sensible to to buy a lot of those things and have them stored because that gets old really fast. But then, for example, I tend to reuse a lot of old computers and these small Raspberry Pi. I don't know if you are familiar with them, but it's, it's a like a card computer that you can actually program to do whatever you want more or less interesting so, yeah okay. yeah it really it's really interesting and it's it's so i i, I try to have in-house uh, a supply of of usable stuff but i will not try to get the newest greatest just to have it in storage I agree with that 100% because like I'm a photographer by training and about four or five, well, actually technically probably about seven years ago, I decided not to own my own equipment anymore mm. because the technology keeps uh, updating, you know, every two years you need the newest, the best, the biggest, the whatever. And so I stopped owning and I just rent when necessary because it's just not cost effective to be you know, upgrading technologies every couple of mm. years just because it's the newest stuff and then storing it when you're not using it and basically losing value on it. So, yeah, yeah I mean, the idea of renting, it, you know, the newest, best equipment when necessary versus owning it is very smart these days. Yeah, and it's it's ecological also. 
indeed. But then we have, of, of course, we have some things that needs to be the newest, the best, especially with these virtual reality things. Then you can't actually do, you need the high-end computer and you need the high-end headset and stuff like this. So, ha Have you all been creating like virtual tours and things like this? No, but we have been doing virtual tours, but with Instagram. But not with this, uh, not this real virtual. With, but with Instagram, yeah. I don't well, know they, they, about they that. call them the, these virtual tours that they have. They have a. Um, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that's just like just walking yeah, around exactly. the tour. Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. no, I'm thinking like an immersive situation, like that. Like me at my home, I could put on my Oculus and sort of get a, a walk around of the museum. Yeah, not, no, yet. not yet. No. Okay. But I don't know. It's a, it seems to be a quite long lockdown ish, or it's we don't have a lockdown now, but we we are actually closed. So, so we we might need a virtual tour at some point. Well, I guess that's sort of the question then is like because of the the world situation mm -hmm. right now, like is that something that you all are starting to think towards? If obviously at this point you haven't really done much of, but are you starting to think like, okay, maybe we should be investing in trying to do some of these things? I really can't answer this because if I, I'm not part of that discussion, but it wouldn't surprise me if we, we have this kind of thoughts. I so love that you're just like, that's not my job. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry to say that, but I, I usually don't use that term. Uh, I don't even like to say that, but, but that's, that's too far off for me to speculate around. Totally fine. Yeah. I mean, there's so many people in the art world that like, they'll just make up some bullshit just to make themselves sound important. <laughs> and you're just like, no, no, I have nothing to do with that. <laughs> but it's, it's safer this way, I think. It's excellent. I love the the bluntness of it all. Now you you're in Helsinki. Yeah. I mean, how how is it? I've never been to Helsinki, mind you. So like, what's the art scene like in Helsinki? Like, I mean, is this a? I hear stories, of course, and I read articles, but like, you're on the ground. Like, so is it uh, thriving? Is everything you know? How's it going? Well, I would say it's thriving. But my my I don't have a deep knowledge in that. But of course I I have my own interests. So considering my own interests, I find it thriving and interesting. And what in, what what is the specific thing? Audio. Yeah, experimental music and and this weird, really weird noises, electronic stuff. That's my 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 love and and. This is a good place for these kind of things. From my American perspective, I would say Scandinavia is a great place for that kind of stuff. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it might be, yes. Yeah, the, we, we generally perceive that region as electronic music and, and that kind of stuff mm. very, very prominent up there. All right. Do you have any interesting stories about experiences of installing um you know your technological stuff and like things either going amazingly well or things not going as well as you would like and having to work out difficult problems yeah i don't have a like a straight story to tell you but but obviously as as it's an adventure to build an ex exhibition every time so the more technical it is the more of these improvisational situations we we stumble upon and those are really nice 
and obviously they always work because we we never fail to have an opening so and if knock on wood yeah yeah yeah, yeah true but as long as we have an opening that the process has been a success more or less there is always details to mention about information it's that's that's the key ingredients to everything it's especially when you are talking about technological things because people tend to be afraid of technology that's too complicated for me i don't want to, i don't do it. as long as you can do it everything is good but people involved in the process they could have a, a slight base knowledge of of technology that's required for the exhibition it makes a difference because it's information is the easiest thing to to give but it's also the most easy thing to forget to give to people that are working with us because if you as assume things as long as you assume things things are going straight to hell oh yeah there's the old saying that assume is making an ass out of you and me yeah exactly so yes yeah you, you do yeah be, being you know yeah, just communication, strong mm. communication. If you know, yeah, it's very important. I mean, I have a question, a super technical question for you, because <laughs> I, I am actually really fascinated with the technical stuff. When it comes to the planning of an exhibition, and your focus is audio, like, give me a, a sense of the structure that you're working in. Is it a concrete, concrete floors, uh, drywall? Like how do the acoustics play into like the materials that are, that the structures, the exhibition halls are made of play into your role? Not so much actually. Mm. Darn it. I was hoping it was something important. Yeah, because luckily we have really good acoustics here. Because we have a wood, we have a wood floor and a dome ceiling, and uh, the dome ceiling is also covered with this. It's kind of this. Uh, I don't know the, the the name of the product, but it's this thick wooly material in the ceiling. So. Yeah, I know this stuff. Acoustic buffering. Yeah, acoustic buffering material. So we have a good, good acoustic situation, and quite interesting also because of the domed ceiling. So. Uh, sound tend to travel quite a lot, but sound-wise, we don't have so many many sound-focused exhibitions. Actually, we have in this uh, ongoing Egypt exhibition, we have a sound design that's made not by us; it's it's outsourced completely. Yeah, it works well in in this space. Well, okay, wait. That's a question that I've often wondered. Like. Do you all ever do any sort of like ambient sounds and things to make it so that like spaces are not silent? This is the first exhibition where it was actually planned, well planned. There was this Dutch this Studio Drift collective that was, they were here also. They had some kind of ambient soundscape also, but it, it wasn't really, really thought out or they didn't inform us really clearly about it so we had to improvise a little bit with speaker placements while they were here but my job is not not really audio related per se it's, it's more video and audio is is quite a small part here the to have knowledge in audio is is a good thing but video is more i think it's that's the thing that that's there's it's more in demand so to say 
Well, it makes sense. I mean, yeah. museums traditionally are very visual. Yeah. I get that. So, okay. So how about the technologies that are being used in, in video projection? Uh, what is it that you're using the most? Like, you know, there are certain brands, of course, that I grew up with, but that are different in Europe. So like, are there certain technological advances that you're finding? Like, so I'm thinking of like short throws and all kinds of other things like this that make a very big difference in, in the, you know, the, the ability to put a projection in a different type of space as far as the scale of the projection. Yes, there are, there is so, so much going on now. Classical, you have a player and a projector and a HDMI cable connect that. So, but now, now, when there is a need for multi-projection, we need need to use different kind of connectivity things and synchronizing players, synchronizing screens, and it, there is no one single way. It, it changes every time with every exhibition. So you like it, you don't have like a personal preference of let's say like a brand I don't know that that you're like oh th this one works really really well in our space and you've had it's been very reliable and all that no. kind of stuff. No, we had obviously we had a, a the, the first exhibition we had was with this team lab with this massless exhibition. So for that exhibition we had a big sponsorship and because of that we ended up with with one particular brand of, of beamers, but no, I don't have any preferences because it, it depends on the, I, I personally, I'm super interested in, in these mini, mini projectors now. I haven't got hold of them yet, but I would like to experiment with them. Were they called like pixel projectors or something like that? I don't really know. Uh, there are a couple of, of, of brands now who, yeah, actually, they, they make them looking like lamps, so you can put them in the lamp railing, which is great. I think it's super. It takes power from the, from the light rail. Oh, yeah, they're quite amazing. I mean, the, you know, from the, yeah, everything from the, like, micro projectors, like you're talking about, these little, little handheld projectors, yeah. all the way up to these, like, massive outdoor projectors. I mean, the technology, you know, between the, the lumens that they output, yeah. you know, everything is, is so much better than it was. Like, even when I was in school 20 years ago, like most of these technologies didn't exist. Like it wasn't even a creative option for me to use these technologies that now kids are going to school and like, it's normal to them. Like, Oh yeah, yeah. We all have a handheld <laughs> yeah. projector. And I'm just like, I didn't, that didn't even exist when I was in school. Well, actually, now, when I come to think of it, if you ask my preferences, I would say that 60 millimeter film is really, really good looking. It's, it's, the, it's, it's the best I've seen so far. You said it's 16, so yeah. one six millimeter. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. the old school. The old school, yes. Okay. I did a, I, by chance, I just did a, an exhibition as a freelancer before I started to work here. I did with this Swiss uh, artist. I don't, I can't remember his name. But he had these film loops that were projected on balloons, and the quality and the graininess and the vividness of the colors on the on that film, it, I, I really liked it. And I haven't seen it on video. Well, I'm fascinated because I I keep hearing from you. Uh, old tube projectors, VCRs, <laughs> eight sixteen millimeter film, but yet, 
but yet your job is technology, mm -hmm. which I assume, which I obviously wrongly assumed was highest, newest, best, all this kind of stuff. But really a lot of it when it comes to like creativity and artistic expression seems to be not the most expensive, newest and all this, but it seems to be sort of the, the things that are the most creatively outputting kind of stuff. Yeah, it depends so much on, on uh, who you are working with. For example, if you would be working with this Asian mega projection companies, it would be obvious that you you have a demand for the best and the newest equipment because you can't do it with old stuff. But then, well, I was I was actually working in in Amsterdam a month with this Namjoon Pike exhibition, and that was only CRT tube screens, televisions. Oh, okay. yeah, she loves them. Yeah, so that was a step, so to say, backwards for me because I never learned that technology. I never knew anything about that before I beforehand. So. Now I know a little bit more of that analog connections and analog videos. It's, it's fascinating, fascinating, really. Have you ever played with the Fisher Price Pixel Two Thousand? No, I haven't. I used to have two of those when I was okay. uh, in col college. Loved those. You would love them with your mix of audio interest and video because they use old audio cassettes to create visual imagery. Really, really. Wow. It's amazing. I mean, they're super expensive now because they're very yeah. rare, but they're really cool. Like, it's a, such a unique output. Nice. You want to talk about unique output? That's a neat one. But yeah, you can probably find them on like eBay and those kinds of places these days. So, all right. So, when it comes to like your planning of a, an exhibition, where do you come in? So, like the 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 curator, let's say, will plan it. And then sort of what step in the process do they start involving you? When everything is uh, on paper and the decisions have been made where placements of, of pieces and more or less the architecture or design of the exhibition, that's where I come in because then I need to know placement of the walls to, to figure out where to pull the cables and where to pull the, where to put potential screens or projectors. So sometimes I'm involved from the beginning. If if it's common knowledge that it's going to be a really visually or AV visually heavy exhibition. How long does this process take? So like from the planning to opening night, how long will a general exhibition at Amos Rex take to get up and running? Yeah, it can take a year. I would have expected you to say two years. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, probably with these bigger exhibitions, uh, several years because they need to go all the the legal stuff needs to be processed also. But with this, so to say, in quotation marks, normal exhibitions, it's not that long. An average exhibition, so not a tech-heavy exhibition. Yeah. yeah, but those can be, for example, this René Magritte, it, it had been a long process to get it here. And that was not a tech-heavy exhibition at all. No. So, okay, so back to sort of like the, the nature of your position. 
So you you do like video, audio, and computer related things. It sounds like, but you don't deal with like you're not part of the sort of preparatory staff. So the hanging of thing of paintings and and lighting of exhibitions and all that. So that's not your thing. Well, no, but I I'm the one who climbs inside the walls and pulls the cables where where it needs to be pulled. So. I do I do physical on and concrete work also. A lot of climbing and hanging in the ceiling. What, do you, now you all have like I'm sure OSHA style like in the United States we have this thing OSHA like safety and health uh, advisory thing like so you so you're the guy that like puts on the five point harness and you like climb in the ceiling mm, and all yeah, that. Yeah, I'm supposed to put on the harness. Then we're all supposed yeah. to put on the harness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no, it's a. I don't play around with that. I don't take unnecessary risks. It's, it's, it's not clever. But sometimes it's impossible to follow the, the guidelines. We'll just let that go. Mm. I don't feel like getting you in trouble. No. So that you know, <laughs> go farther on the yeah. land. Okay. Now, okay. Something that you said, you said you did some freelance work ahead of time, like before getting your job here. So like, what was the career trajectory? So like you get out of school, you're doing audio work. How did you get from that to being a a museum? Mm, It's well, I've been moving around in Finland a lot from, from city or actually on the coastline from between a couple of cities. So, I ended up in the archipelago of Finland in the western parts. And I, I bought a house with my ex-wife there and, and I lived there for four years, which actually meant that I cut my, my connections to Helsinki quite radically. So I didn't get any freelance jobs anymore from Helsinki and I didn't get any graphic design jobs. So I needed to start to replan what to do. So I ended up doing this audio, audio work Actually, that didn't bring any food to the table, so to say. So I moved back to Helsinki. When I moved back here, this was actually my third time to start over in Helsinki. So I could get work, this architectural museum in Helsinki to just build exhibitions and, you know, carry boards and paint walls and do this handyman stuff. So I was working there as a freelancer for a couple of exhibitions and during this time I noticed that there was a lack in the knowledge on, on this AV technology with video video and computers so I'm, I kind of had some I can't claim that I'm a specialist in anything but I, I, I knew something so I, I started to do a little bit of trickery with this video projections and then I got some questions hey could you could we do like for example three synchronized big screens and I I learned from my, actually, my uncle, I think he said that if somebody asks you something, never say, no, I can't do it. So I said, obviously, yes, yes, it's possible. And I got, I think, two months. So it was a lot of Googling and trying out, but it worked out. So then one thing led to another, and I, I got another freelance job, and I got more a little bit more, and I ended up at Kiasma, our neighboring museum, this Museum for Modern Art. And I was working as an AV technician there. And during that time, Amos Rex was opening their doors, or just before they were opening their doors, I, 
uh, my contract ended at Kiasm. So, so I, I, I called called this player's place and asked if they need any help building exhibitions. And I just told them, like, yeah, I can do this and I can do this, but I'm I'm open for everything, and I I'm still here. So something worked out, I think. Well, see, because like part of the reason why, like, I asked you as a, to be a guest versus, let's say a curator and stuff is everybody talks to curators. I've talked to dozens of curators, but what I'm also interested in, because I'm a professor, I'm also interested in sort of all the other creative artistic avenues that sort of come up. Like, cause you probably didn't go to school going, Hey, you know what? I'm going to be a museum no, technician. No. <laughs> right. But you ended up there and you enjoy yeah. it, you know? So it's like, you know, it's one of those stupid things like in America, they they have this thing of like if you go to art school like you're never going to make a living yeah <laughs> like it's a useless degree and so like for me i like the the idea that basically getting a degree like that can then end up leading to a job that you never could have imagined you might have wanted and so that's why i find like your job really quite interesting it sounds like a lot of fun to do yeah it's it it really is it's a lot of fun uh, a bit of frustration also, but that's obvious. It's it's probably with all the jobs you have, but this is a dream job. And I also considering art school background, I don't see myself being so far from the my education, even if I haven't studied museum technology per se, but I have a visual background. I, I don't think there is a degree in visual <laughs> no, technology. But it, it's a it's a big help, I think. I, I I've had a lot of help with this because I I know that. Well, I'm not claiming that my vision is the correct one, but uh, I trust my eyes, and I think a, a lot of visual artists actually have the knowledge to trust their their eyes and their aesthetical thoughts. All right. I'm trying to think of some other good questions. I, I just so you know, I, I came with no questions whatsoever. <laughs> I, I'm just you. Know, just I'm listening to you, and I'm trying to think like what what else do I want to know about your job? Okay, I know what else I want to. So like, get, walk me through like a week. Let's say a, a day is probably too little. So like a week of like, what is it you do as a museum technician? Both the mundane stuff and the sort of exciting stuff. For the moment, I'm actually drawing this, uh, what do you call them, these stands, and I'm drawing them in this um, Rhino 3D software that I've been teaching myself. Right. And Yeah, like AutoCAD. Ah, yeah, exactly, yes. In calculating areas, mathematical work. And then this morning, I, I ran downstairs and disassembled a shelf just to find out that I need to remove three huge mirrors, just to figure out that I need to remove the framework that the mirrors were attached to, so that the technicians I called yesterday can access the LED screen that's behind this all. That was this day. Yesterday was a lot of planning and calling around and now, when the museum is empty, I, I, I have time to see if something needs to be fixed. And then the other part is we have two artists downstairs in our workshops who are actually preparing uh, an upcoming exhibition. So they are actually doing the artworks here 
in in the museum and i need to clean up a little bit after them also a little bit help them because they don't know where stuff is and, and organizing yeah my job is quite a lot a big part of my job is organizing stuff oh yeah i remember as a roadie one of the, the most important things is always like there's a box for something and everything has a box like so like everything should be where it should be and if it's not that's a problem because then you can't find it when you need it so like not only should everything be organized but it should be organized in a way so that theoretically if you're out sick that somebody else could easily find it and access yeah. it and then uh, this place needs to be organized also in that sense that what's going to happen in three weeks when when we have a lot of freelancers coming here it's not the question of how tidy it is but it's more a question of of how how will we find space for things that will end up in our museum okay give me a breakdown like in your job how much of your time do you have to do like bureaucracy and paperwork and how much of it is sort of hands-on getting going out and like you said like to dismantling a mirror thing to get to an led thing like so how much you know because like they always say like artists that we're always in the studio and we don't do a lot of paperwork and business stuff but in reality we end up doing like 60 70 percent mm. paperwork and business stuff and very little time in the studio so like in your job is a lot of it meetings and bureaucracy and paperwork or is it a much more hands-on position i could claim that during this time when we have a planning of exhibition i think it's 40 percent administrative work bureaucracy not really bureaucracy but this paperwork and meetings and the rest is uh, is more or less hand on hands on and I, I actually consider this this sitting by the computer and drawing stuff to be quite hand hands-on work also I, I agree with that um yeah things like the AutoCAD that's yeah. hands-on to yeah, me okay. yeah but this uh, I don't work so much with with the budgets and economy but Partly, if we need to, to think about future exhibitions and, and if we need to buy something, then I'm involved a little bit in, in, in the budget. But I don't have a budget responsibility, luckily. So I was going to say, that sounds like a great relief to not have to deal yeah. with that. How about, do you have any advice? Because one of the things I always wonder about is uh, like, Okay, I have never done an exhibition in a museum. So like if I if I was an outside artist or any sort of outside person wanting to come in and work with you in the museum, what would you recommend that I I know or some sort of practice that I might want to do to make it go smoothly, let's say? Trust yourself to to, to stay be steady with your visual uh, aspirations, your fantasy keep it alive it's everything is possible we can fix everything but it needs to be if the artist is really unsecure and having a lot of maybe this way and maybe this way it, then it's it, it becomes quite hard to fulfill your wishes if you don't really know what you are wishing for so in that sense uh, an, an advice for artists is that trust yourself and it's everything is possible 
Right. But there is a fine line on that because yes. you also don't want to come in there and be like arrogant and bossy and be like, it must be like <laughs> yeah. this and can't not be that. No, no, of course, you know, realism with everything. You don't have to be super humble, but, uh, you know, for me personally, it's really okay if you're coming and being really cocky. It's, it's, it's quite okay for me, but I know that I might be an exception. I generally hear like not to be cocky is a smarter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but but you know we had this uh, fantastic situation with an Icelandic artist, and he came here, and he wasn't cocky, but I think we talked for five minutes, and he already called me an asshole. So it we had this fantastic discussion. We just referred to each other as assholes during the build-up just stupid humor but it, it it was nice because he was secure and he knew what he wanted and as did i so like confidence but not yeah cocky. confidence that was the word i was looking for okay that's that's a good yeah. one is there anything any topic that we haven't talked about that's a, that you want me to sort of in ask you about maybe this thing that was quite new for me also this partly responsibility of the building itself also because prior to this i was always working with problem like a, how would you say it like i knew what i was supposed to do considering the exhibition but now i'm also having these issues with the building itself and a lot of like practical that has nothing to do with art at all well it it's something that a lot of people, obviously myself included, because I didn't even think to really ask you much about it, but like we don't think about the maintenance and the upkeep mm. of, a, of just keeping a museum running. Yeah. Because it's a big part of it. If you have a role to, to know how a, a, a museum works, it means that you know how the building works. Because somebody comes here and needs... I needs to connect his or hers computer to an internet connection that's in the floor. You need to provide this person with the internet connection to that particular port in the floor. Well, and you all have the you know, sort of the luck slash luxury of that you're a, a very modern building. Yeah. So, so, you know, there are a lot of museums that don't have those opportunities because they're, you know, historical museums and they can't build all those kind of like intranets and things into the floors and things like this. So, like, so how advanced is the technology that sort of was built into the architecture itself? Well, quite, but it's more of an open framework. No, no technology is built into the building, but we have this infrastructure of good connectivity in the, in the building. So the ports are present and the cabling is present. So we just add the, well, that's logical because you add the technology that needs to be added afterwards. But it's also two parts. This, this building is, is below ground and the area we work is, is a, a historical building. So immediately when I come upstairs, I'm walking in, in places that I cannot touch. I can't drill a hole in the wall and I cannot uh, have different problems upstairs. Sure. How do you get around those well, things? Well, improvising and, and yeah, we, we need to ask a lot. We need to ask, uh, yeah. A lot of gaffer tape and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, not really, because 
safety is a big concern and if if something is haphazardly done i tend to lose my sleep so not so much gaffer tape but, but more calling people who really know stuff for example can we really do this can we drill a hole here we usually get around by by asking well, that's interesting because, like, you know, from an outsider's perspective, I have not worked in museums in 20 some odd years. The last museum I worked at was the Smithsonian when I was in college. And the the assumption that the general public has is that museums do all their own stuff, that they don't really outsource a lot. So, like, all the people that work there are the people that run and maintain and do all this stuff. But you're saying that you all have taken up a model of having a lot of sort of outside people sort of influence and assist you yeah. all in, in running Yeah, the because there there is a, a lot of people involved in this building because it's new. So we have a lot of, we have the architects who have drawn the, the buildings or the, the new part of the building. And then the the construction, the, the how do you say, it? the people who are in charge of the technical planning, who actually knows where the cables are running. Engineers. Engineers, yes, those. And then the the more janitor part of the work, the the, the practical guys who come and change the windows or repair a door. I'm not doing that stuff. Partly I'm doing, but there's so much I cannot do these guys have a better knowledge of so that's why it's i think it's uh, uh, the same situation as with any other bigger building there's a lot of people involved mm. and so you, as part of your job it's sort of to coordinate yeah. not so not necessarily do it yourself but like let's say i don't know you know some speaker blows out or something that you know who to call and and where to get a, a replacement or how to get it repaired or whatever so it's a lot of putting people together to the right to get the right things accomplished exactly interesting yeah this is a, a job that it's yeah i can't it's impossible to get bored because no no day is, is the same and i'm sure the older the museum gets the more things are going to start mm -hmm. breaking <laughs> yes, yes. guaranteed <laughs> absolutely all right. Any last thing you want to bring up? Any last topic? Not really. No. It was nice talking to you. It's, uh, it's if if you ask this question, I get to say them out loud. Also, of course, I'm thinking thinking about them, but I haven't actually talked so much about it with anybody. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Mm -hmm.